Hey, you found us. It is a special Easter Passover crossover edition of the Ben and Mike That's right. That's right. A weekend edition. We don't do these too much outside of football season, but here we go. Yeah. What this means, of course, is that we're treating the USFL as football season. I was going to say, I guess we are, there is football on TV, so it kind of counts, you know, but, but yeah, it's, it's a rarity for us this time of year, but you know, we're adapting. Uh, So we are going today to talk some NFC all-time quarterbacks uh, by team. We did it for the AFC earlier and last week we did our quarterback draft preview. So it's only fitting that we keep rolling. But before we get into that, there was some news in the greater Tempe area as the Coyotes hockey arena is apparently moving forward and talks are apparently moving forward with ASU to have the basketball team, potentially the hockey team, uh, potentially a lot of teams play at that arena and say goodbye to the bank. Yeah, yeah. I I guess basketball. I mean, so that's the first thing. And and I don't know if you've heard. I I don't know. What is the delineation between who's supposed to still be playing at at what is now Desert Financial and and the new arena? The new arena is definitely going to be hockey. The new ASU arena, I guess I should clarify. Um, Have they said who else is playing where? Well, of the my, arena teams. What I had heard a long time ago, and I don't know if this is still holding true, yeah. is that it was Olympic sports defined loosely as gymnastics, yeah. wrestling, um, volleyball. We're going to be the new place. We're going to be joining the new place, and, okay. and basketball was going to basically get to keep Wells Fargo yeah. for itself. Right. Men's and women's. Which, which I, I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I mean, okay, we should, I guess, you know, should say a few things. One is this Coyotes arena is not approved yet. So it, we're still in the, you know, in the idea stage. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the saga of the Coyotes ownership arena moving, maybe move, maybe not moving, dates back to when you still lived here. Oh, yeah. Correct. I mean, you know, so like that's been a while. You haven't lived permanently in Arizona since 2008. Uh, so so assuming that this is is, you know, going to happen is not an assumption I'm willing to make. So that will just we'll just put that preface out there. But, yeah, the idea that the basketball program, I guess, at least would be sharing this arena because we wouldn't have. I mean, first of all, you couldn't have all of them. There wouldn't be enough dates. But also mm-hmm. you just. You just spent the money on building this new small arena on campus. So obviously going to use that for something. Uh, so, I mean, I'll, I'll let you go first. What are your thoughts on this? I, I'm not sure what to make of it because it feels like, you know, I'm going to get a little tinfoil hat, but it feels like sure. the sort of thing that we're used to seeing from the Coyotes where they say something as if, it is a foregone conclusion. Sure, And sure. then you learn that no one else has really been talked to. Right, right. You know. 100% agreed with that. Yeah. So I, I join you on the question of is there, you know, is there even really something to talk about here? Right, right. But assuming there is, 
I don't quite understand where the new arena is going to be in Tempe. Yeah. So I think I have an idea. I, I mean, I, I think for the most part, I believe it's at, and I, you know, you, you got to visualize this and hopefully you can roughly priest and Rio Salado. So, you know, if you take Rio Salado past mill, it kind of bends around mm-hmm. and goes down toward the airport. And there's those, there's a few little like freestanding hotels there. There's a spring Hill suites, I think a courtyard by Marriott, um, but mostly open land there. Mm-hmm. So there is space for an arena and I guess some development around it. Um, but apparently, and I'm not going to pretend I know all the ins and outs of this, apparently a significant question over whether or not the arena can actually exist there because of height regulations for the FAA, because it's so close to the airport. Yeah. I, that's interesting. I hadn't heard so, that. But. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some significant objections, I believe, to whether or not this is even feasible. But, again, we'll have the discussion based on is it, you know, based on the preface that maybe is it is true. feasible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that it actually happens. Is uh, this a good idea? Yeah, and and I mean, I just don't think so at all. I try to be, you know, reasoned and, and, and you know, not react out of emotion with things, uh, you know, because that's what we do now all the time, just in general, like, oh, this sucks, or oh, I love this. Uh, this is one I, I just like immediately rejected and I, I thought about it and I still reject it. It seems like an awful idea. So you, you can look no further than baseball. Yes. To see what happens to student attendance when things are off campus because off campus, right. Freshman year on campus housing is pretty common. I would say. Sure, sure. But car access for those with on-campus housing is far less common. Right. And so is it, you know, is it something where your audience is going to be willing to try to find their way to something as opposed to they could walk to it? Exactly. Exactly my thought. Like, baseball's a great, and, and, you know, there are differences, certainly. Baseball... First of all, it's a small, I mean, it's a smaller venue. Baseball was and is. Um, baseball had a history that basketball does not, uh, you know, a recent history and a long ago history that neither one, you know, matches basketball. So, I mean, there are, there are notable differences to this, but, you know, baseball being off campus, I believe has made it in, in a lot of ways out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Now, my perspective's different. I got to acknowledge that when, you know, when I lived on campus for three years, then I worked for ASU and they were at Packard and I lived very close to campus. And, and now I don't live as close to campus. I don't work for ASU and there, you know, so I, I realize it's not, you know, not everybody's perspective is the same, but to me, you know, and there's other reasons for this too. Baseball has not been the same program since they left Packard. I believe we discussed this, you know, a year or so ago. At one point, we we talked a lot about the baseball program and other reasons for that. Sure, all legit, but they it just doesn't have the same feel. And and then you're going to take a program like basketball. We'll, we'll we'll limit it to men's basketball for the moment. That doesn't have the fan loyalty that the baseball program did. 
does, you know, doesn't endear the, the tradition and all that and move it off campus. To me, that is just about dumb. I, I, I can't think of a better word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a, it is a risk for sure to try yeah. this plan. Yeah. I just think it's, I think it screams cheapness. First of all, I you know, like, well, we don't want to, we don't want to spend the money on, on improving the arena we have. A perfectly good arena, I believe. You know, like, I'm not with, saying it's, it's you know, the, the Taj Mahal. Right. Got parking. It's walking distance from anywhere on campus. Um, it's right there in the, you know, right there by the football stadium. It's, it, it's you know. by the athletic department. Yeah. And it's ours. And that's the thing. that That is my biggest thought about the baseball program and leaving is you moved to a place that wasn't yours. You moved. I, I made this analogy to you before you moved into somebody else's home that they didn't want anymore. Now this one would basically be somebody else is, is going to build a fancy new house and, and you know, you're going to live in the guest room. And I was like, okay, I guess, but wouldn't you rather just have your own home? Even if it's not as nice, it's still yours. Mm-hmm. That's my thought. Uh, yeah, I don't and know. it's just I I guess my question is what do you you know, we're not that far removed from you having to put up barricades on seating. Right. Because right. you couldn't fill the place or come even close. Exactly. You know w- would it be better to just temporarily do you know, do a one year there while you renovate Wells Fargo does it sure, financial sure. to a smaller foot, you know, smaller like a, place. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I wouldn't hate that if it was a, you know, Hey, okay, we're going to, we're going to spend a year doing this. And so we're going to play at this new place. If that's what it comes to, or at, you know, um, uh, the old Coliseum, you know, down, down in Phoenix, uh, you know, like yeah. it, it would stink for that year, but it'd just be one year. But I'm also thinking like, or yeah, or play at the small place we're building for a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my thought is, if we're going to convert it to bas- a basketball-only arena, you could remove some of the top seating on one yes. sideline. Yeah, and put like a bar because now you have yeah. a bar at Sun Devil Stadium. So clearly, right. the drinking right. on campus issue has it doesn't know, exist anymore. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's. You, that's- changed yeah so you take out seats and you make it you know either a place to get drinks and stand and watch the game at the top sure. or sure. you know you make it a premium seating you know all inclusive with food and beverage yeah 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 you know? no agreed i mean that's uh that's the way that sports attendance is going many places but certainly i can speak to phoenix i mean you know a lot of the renovations done at the suns arena what is now called the footprint center is is that type of thing you know, getting getting away from the the actual private luxury boxes that were such the rage twenty years ago, but to the you know the club areas where you know you go and and it's it's like going like you said going to a bar nightclub whatever at the game. Um, yeah, and, I mean, I and, was you just, know, it, I, I was just I think it's everywhere because I was just at Miller Park on or is it? American Family. Field, yes, right. Uh, Another one with a new name. On, yeah, on Friday. And on the sec, I sit second level when I go usually. And yeah, this there used to be down the 
right field line, this railing that you could stand against and watch from yeah. there, it's a bar now. You can't yeah. stand against the yeah. railing. The railing is you're you're separated by about fifteen feet from the railing to the bar. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it's the trend and. And yeah, I, I think that's an okay idea. Um, I, you know, I think you also could, you know, work on improving the team facilities there. I mean, not just the fan, but you know, the locker rooms, the, you know, I mean, obviously they've got the practice facility. I'm not saying that, you know, but you know, update that. I mean, you know, the bowels of, of, I I still call it Wells Fargo. I know that's not the name, but I'm going to say it. Um, you know, it's, it, there's, you know, it's, it's old and run down and the media area is, is beat up and, you know, stuff like that makes a difference. So yeah, I would be all for that. Um, I just think this idea, I mean, to me, it's like, so you built this supposedly, I mean, no one's been in it, but supposedly nice new place on campus for hockey and whatever. And, and now you're going to like, I mean, if you're, if you were looking for a place for the basketball team to go, why didn't you? like build the new place for basketball. I mean, are, are, do we just not care about basketball? Is that what we're saying? Like, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll build this new place for hockey and others. And then basketball, well, uh, I don't know, find something off campus. How? So I have a question that probably is not great, but I'll ask it. Do the, yeah. do the coyotes draw at all? No, so no. Could they play at our hockey arena? Well, they're going to the next, what, four years or whatever, I know. remember? So could, could the... we just make that the deal? And then, <laughs> like... Well, okay, so I'll say this. The Coyotes are playing there for the next few years, but there's a lot of resistance to that from the Players Association and and the other teams in the NHL because it is so small that they are, I mean, they're apparently going to do it because they have no other choice. But no, the Coyotes don't draw... But it's all relative. I mean, the Coyotes right now, their arena, I think, is, you know, 14,000 some capacity. And it's very rarely, if ever, crowded. But the new place on campus is like 5,000. Yeah. And so the revenues are going to be way down. That's not, I, I mean, I do not believe the NHL or, or the Players Association will stand for that being a permanent home for them. I can't see that. Um, and, you know, now I don't know what they're going to do if the arena doesn't get approved or, you know, who knows. But, I mean, this is a, a Band-Aid for them because Glendale told them to, to, you know, hit the road, basically, and said they were not going to renew the lease past this year. Um, could move so, to Hartford. Well, yeah, well, there's always, I mean, God, like we said, it's going on, you know, 14, 15 years now that there's been rumors of the Coyotes leaving town and they still haven't. Um, so, I, you know, now the answer to the question, you know, do the coyotes draw? No, they don't. But a large part of that, I believe is because of where they are going, you know, I mean, the, the you know, the, the Phoenix area, the, the most populous areas are, are East Mesa, Gilbert, Tempe, Scottsdale. and they put, yeah. And they put the coyotes out in Glendale and, and it's, it's not it's, hockey. I mean, it's not football, hockey, it's not football. Multiple, you know, Multiple right. games a it's, week, potentially. It's, yeah, it's 41 home nights a year. Um, and, and yeah, most of them are on weeknights. And so it's tough. I mean, that is that is a long, arduous drive out there. Uh, and, I mean, I will, uh, you know, I can only speak for myself. I mean, there have been plenty of times I've thought, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, fill in the team. And, oh, they're here playing the Coyotes on a Tuesday night. Like, well, I'm not doing that. So, I mean, it, it's... Uh, if it was in Tempe, could they draw better? 
yeah, I think probably. Now, you'd have to be good. You'd have to have some confidence organizationally, and they don't seem to have it. But I think it would help them. You know, I'm all for them getting a new arena. I, you know, I, I, I think that would be cool if they were in Tempe. I have no problem with them having an arena. I just think ASU basketball sharing it is just a, just a dumb, dumb, dumb idea. I, I, like I said, I just immediately rejected it. And then I'm trying to think about it. And I, I can't come around to it being a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it feels like a lot of moves ASU has made in this athletic administration. It feels short-sighted. It does. It, it does. It, well, and, and, and it and, has and, some limited short-term upside. The first year, sure. any new arena play sure. thing people get excited for yep exactly exactly yeah yeah but but you know i think you kind of you started to go there and uh, we're not that far removed from having to limit you know the seating bowl by putting up walls and so now you're going to potentially go to an arena that is going to hold more people if i mean if the plan comes to pass it's going to be bigger than wells fargo and so you're going to have more away. of it. So your walk-up traffic away. is going to be worse. Right, right. And, and so let's let's be honest with each other. You're going to raise prices. Sure, sure. And are you going to have the commensurate, um, you know, improvement in the team? You can't count on that. I hope so, but you sure can't count on it. So all those things add up to you're in a sixteen thousand seat arena playing in front of. 7,000 or so on a regular basis. Um, probably not getting the best, you know, nights because it would be the Coyotes arena first and foremost. So you're, you're getting, you know, windows that aren't going to be as attractive. Look, um, you're going to play Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. And yeah, that's going to be it. And yeah. And yeah. what about when the Coyotes, you know, I mean, the Coyotes want Saturday games. Yeah. So you're going to potentially be playing your Saturday games at, you know, if you're playing at all, you're playing at 10 in the morning yeah. because the Coyotes won a Saturday night game or you're playing a Sunday morning. Um, I mean, it just, I don't know. It just seems like it has no long-term upside. You're, you're right. It, it, you know, everything new has some short-term upside. You, you sell, you know, we're in this fancy new place. Everything is brand new and come see ASU. And yeah, initially people might be like, Oh, okay, sure. Um, but, I think it'll wear off quickly when we real when ASU people start to realize, Hey, this isn't our place. And then the casual sports fan in town or just, you know, average person, you know, there's others. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch of times. It's, it's tough enough for ASU basketball to attract attention. Now going to this new place and being a tenant in the coyotes arena, I don't think that's going to help. When I just wonder like, what is the recruiting pitch for that? Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to. I don't for, know. For I, local, I'm thinking about this. For like local kids, Arizona's practice facility and arena are both on campus. Uh-huh. Right. You know, it is the thing. It is right. marquee. But we don't. No doubt. You know, but we're not doing that. We're not committing. We're to not. That. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just you know, and then it. Now again, it's it's a little different, but you know, the whole argument of like oh you know we're gonna go to phoenix muni for baseball 
because it's just this ready-made stadium and we don't, you know, we don't need to plunge a bunch of money into it to fix it like we would have to with Packard. And then three or four years later, they plunge a bunch of money into Phoenix Muni to, to spruce it up. Like, well, why didn't we just do that for Packard? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now this would be a new place. I know that argument is, is not an equal argument, but still like, I can already see that it's going to be, you know, well, we're going to build up this new, you know, locker room for, for just ASU. And we're going to like, well, why don't we just do that right now with the place we have on campus? And yeah. again, I, I freely acknowledge that, you know, Wells Fargo Desert Financial does not have a tremendous amount of romance and history to it. Uh, you know, the program's never really been great. So it's hard to be like, you know, oh, man, that place is so special, like you could say about Packers. But it's still ours. Our place. Well, and it's also like I think about this, you know, from my my one year where I was interning with the Celtics, and they played at yeah. TD Garden. But TD Garden right. is owned not by the Celtics, but by the Bruins. And most of the time, it was fine. But some of the time, yeah. it was the Bruins. For example, fixed signage. That's not our call. No, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. If, and if someone signs a deal to be the exclusive this vendor, that vendor, this thing, that thing. Oh, right. it's hard for us to sign a deal around true. that. You true, know? true. No, that's a great call. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was always a, a battle we had with the Cardinals when when mm-hmm. we shared Sun Devil Stadium. Was, you know, sponsorship, dollars, revenue, all that. So, yeah, 100%. I did not know that about about the Boston arena. Yeah. Like, Interesting. Uh, like, for example, all of the... Bruins offices were at the arena. The Celtics offices ah. were down the street on Conway. Interesting. Interesting. Is that because, like, did the Bruins initiate the, you know, getting a new arena and then the Celtics joined him? I think so. Interesting. I, I had no idea that was the case. But, you know, yeah, you're you're exactly right. That's a, that's another great point. I don't know. For me, it just, um, it's very short-sighted. I think you said it that way. It's It's a way to be like, you know, well... You know, Wells Fargo needs work. It's true. It, it needs work. Um, and instead of putting in the work, we'll just, you know, we'll just go there and we'll just share this arena with the Coyotes and it'll be all good. And and then I feel like after about two or three years, it'll be like, well, what have we done here? Why, why did we why did we do this? Yeah. That we've made a, you know, we've, we've made a move with an eye towards Hey, this is going to help revenue. I mean, look, if you're telling me that yeah. this is helping revenue because we're about to buy out some of our poorer coaches. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. But, you know, the flip side, of course, being if if the team is, you know, 25 and 5, attendance will be fine. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. If you could tell me that we're going to, with this, you know, we're going to, put the pedal down and we're going to, you know, start to compete at a high level and then we can fill 15, 16,000 seats. Yeah, sure, all great. But, you know, going to a new arena does not guarantee that. You, you've got to hire the right coaches and recruit the right players and you got to do it year after year after year after year. Um, and and even then, you got to compete with the Suns and maybe with the Coyotes. If, if, you know, if this arena happens, the Coyotes will have a more attractive pitch than they've ever had before, which is, you know, Hey, come to our brand new place at Tempe and blah, blah, blah. And, and then, you know, part of the year you're competing with the Cardinals and the end of the year, you're competing with spring training and, 
I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't think it can work. I don't see a path where this works out great. Well, and then you ask, you asked the question at the start, but I, you know, what do you do with the big arena next to the football stadium? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I do mean, you so, just so, let it decay like the big baseball stadium across the street yeah, from the football stadium? Yeah. Which you still haven't done anything with. It's still, you know, it's like frozen in time. If it wasn't for, you know, the accumulation of dust, it, it looks exactly like it did in, you know, 2014 when the team left. Still the same signage up. You still, I mean, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, what do you do with that? I mean, you know, you're going to, you're going to tear it down and, you know, build up hotels there. Like, I mean, they put some hotels right next to it now in that area. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I know everything, you know, same with getting rid of Karsten. It's all, you know, well, let's sell this land and blah, blah, blah. Well, Karsten is gone, but mostly unused. Very little has happened on that land. Packard is sitting there with nothing being done to it whatsoever for eight years now. So what, what have we accomplished by moving away from these places so far? Yeah. yeah. Supposedly that was going to be a huge revenue stream. We we're going to sell all this land and blah, 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 blah. And like, uh, it hadn't happened yet. I mean, I don't, obviously I don't have access to the books at ASU. I don't know what's on the horizon and, but you know, I can, I can see what's, what's there and what's not. And, yeah what's there is a giant dirt land basically where Karsten used to be right now yeah Uh, you know it's also a thing like uh, cost saving measures like the I I don't want to become one of the you know big east teams where we don't have football anymore but like what what are you doing we can't like, well, and, and and you know what? It's interesting you say that because that just clicked something in my brain when you say one of the Big East teams. What's one of the you know main things you've heard about why it's been a hard time for Georgetown, for St. John's, for those places? They don't play on campus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's one of the main – DePaul, you know, mm-hmm. like the, some of those big cities just like Phoenix – and, and they've become, you know, they, they play in a different arena, not on campus, and it is, and most of those programs have fallen, and they can't get up. Yeah. And that's not just because of that, I'm sure, but I think it's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, I went to a DePaul game half a dozen years ago, and yeah, was dead. dead. Do they still play at the at the Rosemont Arena? Yeah, the Allstate. Allstate is what it's called now, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean. You know, like that's, yeah, uh, Georgetown plays, I think, the majority, if not all, of their home games where the where the Wizards and Capitals play, whatever it's called now. It used to be the MCI Center, but it's Verizon not anymore. Center? Is it Verizon now? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like it's, and, and there's no feel to it. Now, okay, if, if you told me that Georgetown was going to be as good as they were in the 80s, I'm sure they'd pack that place and it would feel great. But that's hard to do. I mean, it's hard to be that good on a regular basis and it's a chicken and egg thing. Like, can you, can you be that good when you don't have an on-campus intimate arena that, that, you know, is tough for opponents to come into that feels like, Oh man, we gotta, we gotta go there. That's, that's not good. When you're going into just, you know, generic pro arena, like you're not intimidated by that place. Yeah. Well, you know, not for nothing. I'm sure the road locker room is pretty nice. Yeah, I'm sure it probably is. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's different. I mean, that's 
that's the big difference, you know, with, with football stadiums and, you know, all these new NFL stadiums are really nice. That, you know, LA is really nice and, and, you know, Dallas and all, you know, but there's a, there's a history about college stadiums. You go to, you know, Doak Campbell, you go to Bryant Denny, you go to any of these places and, and, you know, those places are intimidating because they have some history. They are that team's place. They are that school's place. Mm-hmm. And well, you and don't see that. I mean, also renovate. They do. Yes. They make improvements, but it's still that place. And, you know, let's talk about one that didn't Miami, Miami, you know, got rid of the orange bowl plays all their games now at, at what is now called hard rock stadium has had 18 names since it opened, I believe. And uh, there's something missing with Miami football for the most part. And their you fan know, base I mean, hates it. <laughs> right. Hates it. Yes. And, and, you know, since that move has been a, a full-time thing, Miami has not been good. They still played most of their games at the Orange Bowl in the early 2000s when when they had that mini run there with Ken Dorsey and all those great players. Um, and and since then, they're just, you know, they're missing something. Why? Because that's the Dolphins' place. Nice place. They put a lot of money into fixing it up, and and it's it's better than it used to be and all that, but it's, it's, uh, it's not Miami Hurricanes football. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. You I don't either. Me. I don't, I don't either. It. To me, it just, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I, I didn't even think of it till you just said, I don't want to be like those big East teams. And then I'm thinking, man, I, I know you weren't necessarily saying it for that purpose. It's like, yeah, think of think about Georgetown. And, and we don't, we're not coming from the heights that Georgetown was at when they made that change and started playing all their games there. True. We don't have that much room to fall and not get back up. Hmm. We're already nearly on the ground. <laughs> Maybe it'll be, uh, you know, the bar's so low. If we miss it, we don't even notice. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. It just to me, it is one of those like, man, you know, you're you're talking about a program that struggles for traction anyway, and now you're going to take away you know a selling point of it, which is that it's an on-campus. You know, it's our place. Come to come to ASU and see the basketball team. Now it's eh, go to an, an area in Tempe near the airport, see the basketball team. Like, okay, yeah. Uh, well, let's pivot now. Let's talk about some yes. NFC quarterbacks. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yes. If you want our AFC one, go back a few episodes. You'll hear it. You'll have a great time. Yes. 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 And a, uh, a quick refresher, so we're on the same page. This is best quarterback or quarterbacks we've discussed several for teams in the Super Bowl era they had to have played at least at least one season in the Super Bowl era for us to consider them correct yeah I think so okay sounds good all right let's uh let's start in the NFC East and let's start with the marquee franchise America's team America's team that's right you know so you got Staubach Aikman and then I Romo has the most yards. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess so, he, he belongs in consideration, but, but okay. Uh, I mean, smooth transition from the fact we both called them America's team. Why are they America's team? In many ways, because of the 1970s and Roger Staubach. Mm-hmm. That's my answer. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, Aikman to me is second, but yes, I agreed, agreed. Staubach. Yeah, I mean, Aikman has one more Super Bowl. 
And so if you want to be, you know, a slave to the, you know, who won more championships, I guess it's Aikman. But, you know, Staubach went to four Super Bowls, one, went two. one, two. Um, and he's just, I mean, I said this about a few guys when we talked about the AFC. To me, he's just Dallas Cowboys. When you, you know, when you say Dallas Cowboys, you think of Roger Staubach. Neither of us lived through his career, and yet that's the association I have when I think of the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you think of Emmett and Urban and Aikman, and then you know, but it's it's. I mean, he's he's you know he's Captain Comeback, he's Captain America, he's you know all those things that make the Cowboys the Cowboys was kind of what Roger Staubach was. Agreed. So yeah, I would say so, and and you know yeah, Romo had a very nice career, but. Well, I mean, it's an era of passing. This is the thing that's is. hard about this is in it an era is. of passing, he, he set all sure. the yardage records. Sure. You know? Most of these teams we're going to look at, the most prolific quarterback statistically is in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily want to just be, you know, slave to stats and be like, well, this guy threw for the most touchdowns, therefore he's it. You know, yeah, he did. And he had a nice career. That said, I don't think Tony Romo's a Hall of Famer. And Aikman and Staubach obviously are already, and without much debate. Let's move to the New York football giants, where, again, I, I think it's two guys. It's Eli or Phil Simmons. Phil yeah. Sims. <laughs> Phil Sims or Eli Manning. <laughs> I hear you. So, so I, I agree. I think pretty much those two are the only ones you'd consider. And to me, it's Eli. I think so, too. You know, a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, he's got the nod and yeah, he's got the nod in every cat. I mean, certainly statistically, yes, as you said, you know, stats are more more prevalent now. But, you know, a lot more touchdowns, a lot more yards, a lot more games with them. Uh, I mean, just a longer term quarterback and and two Super Bowls to one. Now Sims was the starter for most of the year that they, you know, won the second Super Bowl under Parcells, but he got hurt before the playoffs, so he doesn't really get the credit for that right or wrong um mm-hmm. uh, you know and that was such a defensive team they i mean that super bowl when they beat the bills that was the, you know the belichick defense with lawrence taylor and you know the quarterback feels like could have been anybody um so yeah i i think it's eli pretty clearly yeah um eagles you've got obviously mick Foles. super bowl it's champion. not nick Foles. <laughs> yes he did win a super bowl yes but, uh, you know, I think it's pretty clearly McNabb. Me too. Uh, Me too. Know, Cunningham and Jaworski are, are both good. Yeah. But I think it, McNabb's kind of far and away. I think so. I mean, it, you know, again, statistically, it's in favor of him. Win-loss record. I mean, 92 wins. Nobody else. I'm looking at the, you know, pro football reference. Jaworski's got 69, Cunningham 63, nobody else with, with more than 35, it looks like. So, I mean, it's pretty much those guys. Cunningham is one of those guys that, like, feels like it could have been. He had unbelievable talent, but just, like, it never quite 100% came together. They never had a deep postseason run. Uh, he had his best, you know, statistical year with Minnesota later on in that mm-hmm. 98 team. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's McNabb pretty clearly. I mean, five NFC Championship games, one Super Bowl appearance, uh, you know, statistically was the best quarterback in franchise history, at least to this point. I think it's an easy choice. Yeah. Could have been Carson Wentz, boy. There was, I mean, the, 
pieces were there for Carson Wentz after like two years, you would have said he is going to be that guy, but it just did not happen. No. And now he's a bit of a journeyman. Yeah. 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 Now he's playing for the, the team we'll discuss next. So the Washington football team, now commanders. Now the commanders, yes. But for much of this time, the Redskins. Um, their historical best quarterback is Sammy Baugh, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, he hasn't played in over 60 years. That's true. So That's true. He, but startlingly, not... still the franchise leader in touchdown passes. Yeah. That's crazy. Um. So it really, I think, you know, is it, it's got, it, Theismann, probably, Sonny Jurgensen. I, yeah, I, I, I think it's Theismann. That, I mean, this was an interesting one to think about because it's a franchise. Yeah, I mean, the last like 15, 20 years, they haven't been very good. Yet. Mm-hmm. But for most of the 70s, 80s, 90s, they were pretty good. I mean, certainly the 80s and 90s with Joe Gibbs, they won three Super Bowls. They, you know, I mean, they had a good run. And yet there's not, like, compared to so many other franchises that have like an iconic quarterback or two, they don't really have it. Mm-hmm. Well, and the guys who won Super Bowls, like it was different quarterbacks. Right. And I yeah. mean, Doug Williams was mostly a journeyman for most mm-hmm. most of his career. Wasn't even the starter at the, at the start of that season, you know, when, when they won that Super Bowl. Mark Rippon had that one great season with, with, when they won the Super Bowl. But other than that, a journeyman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's Theismann. I mean, his, his, you know, he's got the most wins. And again, I don't want to make it just about wins because that is affected by a lot of other things. But, you know, won a Super Bowl. They got to another one with him. They, they went back-to-back years, you know, beat the Dolphins, lost to the Raiders. Uh, you know, he's he's the leader in passing yards. He's among the leaders in touchdown passes. Uh, you know, it's it's weird to say it's Theismann given that I think for like the first half of his career, he was basically their punter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's their backup quarterback and punter, uh, you know, but took him quite a while. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't their full-time starter till age 29 and, and, you know, then really got going late in his career, 82, 83, 84 is when he had his best years. Um, and then got hurt, you know, never, ne- he never came back from the broken leg. Did he? No. Wasn't that a career ender? So, yeah. um, uh, you know, but I, I think it's Theismann, even though Jurgensen's a hall of famer, mm-hmm. Theismann's not. Yeah, I think it's Theismann to you. Um, let's move to the North, which is interesting, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. some for the debate and some for the lack of noteworthy people. Right, right. Uh, and I think we'll start with one where that's the case, the Bears. Yeah. So the Bears, much like Washington, their best quarterback was Sid Luckman. Predates the Super Bowl and, era, and yes. Sid Luckman, I believe, stopped playing in 1950. So Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, it leads you then to McMahon won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Rex Grossman went to the Super Bowl. Cutler put up the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, this, this came down to McMahon or Cutler. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cutler is probably the more talented quarterback. If you just, you know, straight up, you know, you're, you're picking a team at random and you need to pick one of those guys, you'd probably go with Jay Cutler. Um, but I give the nod to McMahon because, I, I mean, and not just because of the Super Bowl, although that's a big factor, 
but I just think he was, he, you know, he was the glory days of the Bears in this time, the 80s. Um, and, God, if he could have stayed healthy, I think they maybe would have won more than one title. Mm-hmm. He was never fully healthy except for 85, basically. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's just that feel thing, sort of like the Staubach thing. What quarterback do you think of when you think of the Bears? You think of Jim McMahon, yeah, at least, to, yeah. I think. I mean, the cerebral shuffle probably puts it over. It does. It does. I agree. Yes. I mean, he's the punky QB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, and I know the 85 bears are more known for defense and then a little bit for Walter Payton at the end of his career. Um, and, and, you know, like, but, but McMahon gave them an edge. Like, I mean, that defense was, was good for many years and they only won the one Super Bowl, And that was the year that McMahon was healthy, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next team suffers a similar issue. Um, so, okay, real quick, you agree on McMahon? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. For the Lions, I think for the post-Super Bowl era, it has to be Stafford. I think so, too. Because I think Bobby Lane, you know, won two titles in the 50s, was a right. Super Bowl, or not Super Bowl, uh, NFL championship. NFL champ, right. Pro Football Hall of Famer, but he stopped playing in 19... 19- 58 58 for them yes yeah. and he put the he put the 50-year curse on them uh, yeah said they would never win anything for 50 years when they got rid of him and they didn't uh and they still really haven't uh you know but uh but they're picking but last in the first round they are they are that's true that's true and and uh and they're doing that in part because of the guy that they took 50 years after bobby lane who is yeah i think pretty safely the answer stafford mm-hmm. um i mean now you know there's not a ton of competition. I mean, they, you know, they had a revolving door at quarterback, you know, but he was there for 12 years. He set every franchise record. He got him to the playoffs three times, which is a lot for a Detroit Lions quarterback. Um, I don't know that anybody else has gotten the Lions to the playoffs three times in the Super Bowl era that I know of. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it, you know, a different franchise. You'd say Stafford, well, he just put up a lot of numbers and, and they didn't win much. That's true, but, <laughs> but they, this isn't a different franchise. I was going to say, but the rest of the franchise didn't win much without the numbers. So Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, the, you know, he was he was rock solid for them, and, and they were competitive a lot with him. I mean, they never, they never got deep in the playoffs, obviously, but were at least respectable, whereas many years before him, they were not respectable. So, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and that brings us to... My my personal hardest one, which is the Packers. It's a tough one. Three so, three good arguments could be made in favor of three different people. So Star Favre Rogers, Star won three championships in a row, including the first two Super Bowls. Five yeah, total championships. Yeah, uh, was named a league MVP in '66. Um. Ice Bowl gives you yep. another iconic moment. Yeah, first uh, two Super Bowl MVPs. Yeah, uh, Favre threw for almost three times as many touchdown passes as Star in the yep. Packers. Yeah, uh, you know, won three MVPs himself. Won a Super Bowl, right. not the Super Bowl MVP. That was Desmond Howard. Right, right, um, right. Yes, but interesting. Because 
in the modern times, I think Rodgers beats Favre. Four-time MVP, Super Bowl champion. Yeah, certainly more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Way fewer interceptions. The interception numbers and yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I had to break it into two and I decided as I, as I indicated right there, I would pick Rogers over Favre yeah. for the modern time. So then it becomes what I pick Rogers over star. Yeah. And I don't think I can. I, okay. I, it's interesting. I never saw a star play, but I right. have watched all the history of the Packers and watched the Ice sure. Bowl multiple times and listened to, you know, the Packers team historian sure. Cliff Crystal talk about him. And it's, you know, kind of Brady Belichick. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know... Lombardi is Lombardi Lombardi without star is star star without Lombardi. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Probably an argument to be made. No for either one. Yeah. But they were together. They were so good. Sure. Sure. I, you know, I, I take star. Okay. That's interesting. See, I, okay. I was going to, I was going to say Rogers and I, and I kind of got there at the same place as you, which is, yeah, okay, you look at the, the modern era of football, the era that, you know, we've lived through to, to watch these guys. As good as Favre was, and he was, you know, Rodgers is better in most most tangible ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and know, it, he doesn't well, turn the ball over as much, it, which is a big thing. And they they both have one Super Bowl, so you right. can set, right. it makes it very easy to set that aside. It does, it does. They both won one, they both had a number of other you know, I don't know the total numbers, but they've both been to the playoffs a lot. It's not like, you know, Favre went to the playoffs 10 times and Rodgers has been three or something like that. I mean, they, yeah. they've they've been consistently really good in the regular seasons and get to the playoffs. And Division championships. Yeah, yeah. They've had their playoff struggles. I mean, you know, like win-loss, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, I would guess. I'm not looking at it right here. Rodgers' win-loss record slightly better percentage-wise. Would that be I, right, or I, am I wrong I about that? I believe that is correct. Yes, you know, but it, but I'm sure it's not tremendously different. Um, you know, so yeah, I think team success pretty even. So then you look at the individual type player, and I think you know, now again, it's a different type, different you know, different time. I mean, you know, like the, the interceptions have become more of a like you know a no no in in football than they used to be. You know, when Favre was throwing a lot of picks, it wasn't as criticized as it is now but still i think you know rogers is more efficient and so then i i kind of got to the same point and thought well okay i mean it just feels like you know and i don't think you're arguing this point it feels like you know rogers is a better pure quarterback than bart star yes you know if i again that sort of choice of like if you brought bart star to today's game he would be a backup he would yeah yeah, or he, or I mean, it's hard because he'd play differently. He, yeah. He'd grow up in the game differently. I mean, that's that's what makes this tough because you're, you know, that was what quarterback was back then. You you called the plays, you know, and you were kind of the coach on the field, but you didn't throw it fifty times or even forty times. I mean, you know, like the, I'm sure there were plenty of games that Star probably threw it, you know, less than fifteen times, and they won, and that was how football was played. It's not now. 
So it's tough. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to respect your call because you're more versed on the Packers history than, than I am. Um, you know, I, I consider myself pretty well versed on football history, but you're more into the oh, Packers. No. I mean, specifically. I don't think, so, I don't think I, there's I, a I right it. and wrong here. Oh no. <laughs> I, and I'm not saying that. No, no, no. But I mean, I, 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 you know, some of the, I, I'm respecting your opinion because again, Hey, you're a, you're a Packers fan. And, you know, to use what I have already used with other teams, I would probably agree that when you think Green Bay Packers, you think Bart Starr. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're if you're going with that, and, and you, you know, you might even think Brett Favre. Yeah. I mean, I think Favre is more synonymous with the Packers than Rodgers, even though he's played with multiple teams and Rodgers hasn't. I, yeah. I, I still feel that way right now. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, they they both have their numbers retired, which is right. rare for the Packers. Um, right. You know, I'm sure Rodgers will when he's done. He probably will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, it, you kind of get you get a little admittedly probably by saying that I'm a little bit prisoner of the moment, too, which is that, you know, there's been so much discussion over the last couple of years about, you know, Rodgers want to play somewhere else and blah, blah, blah. And. And, you know, and so you, you know, but then you kind of romanticize the past with Favre and, and it, you know, Favre very clearly wanted to not be there. Wanted to play somewhere else and did. And, and, you know, and, uh, but I guess too, for me, you know, it's, it's perspective. Like when I first basically was learning the NFL, Favre was the Packers quarterback mm-hmm. and then he was for a long time after. So it's, you know, I, I think Packers, I think Favre. Um, and then the historical point of star, I mean, there's no wrong answer with, yeah. with any of these. If you want to pick any of them, it, you know, there's good logic for any of them, but I settled on Rogers, but I, I certainly am probably guilty of not giving enough credence to the importance of star just historically with the Packers. Well, and I just, the thing with star is the Packers aren't the Packers without what yeah, and he that's did. It. That's know? exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, like they're, and, and that's they're probably just what I'm not another, paying enough attention to. You know, they're just another, you know, s- small team that you right. you see, you know, won a NFL championship in 1919 and sure, never sure. play. You know, right, right. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's that era that that gives them sort of the feel of a special team. Uh, you know, so yeah, and certainly, I mean. Five championships speaks for itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can add up, you know, Rodgers and Favre's uh, Super Bowls and Super Bowl appearances and not get to five. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you judge it on that, then, then it's tough to argue against Star, for sure. Yeah. Now we can go back to an easy team. Yeah, one that's pretty pretty straightforward, I think, with Minnesota. For the Vikings, it, it has to be Tarkenton. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean they they haven't really had anybody since him that has been a long term starter. They've had some success here and there, but uh, you know it could have been Culpepper. He's the, he's the one that I looked at and thought like, boy, the the foundation was there. They drafted him. He got off to a really good start, had some good years, but it, you know, it, it, yeah. But then the injury, that knee injury, and then he then they you know they let him go, and he was never the same and. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's definitely Tarkenton. Tarkenton probably one of those guys who's underrated all time. Uh, you know, like really, really, really productive for his era. Yeah. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, Jim Kelly-esque appeared in a yeah. number of Three Super Bowls in four years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and lost to some historically great teams. Like, yeah, he went 0-3. Lost to, you know, the Steelers of the 70s. He lost to the Raiders of the 70s. And lost to the Dolphins of the 70s. I mean, those are, the, you know, the Dolphins were the year after they went 17-0. and The Steelers were the first of their four in six years. And the Raiders, that was the only one they won. But they, you know, winning percentage-wise, were one of the best teams ever. Like, there's no shame in losing those three Super Bowls. Yeah. Uh, let's move to the South. Um, okay. This one is easy, but I'm curious if you found it to be easy, given your family's feelings. The Saints. Oh, it's Drew Brees. Okay. I, I thought so, be. too. I guess. It's, it's got to be. I mean, uh, you know, like, prior to Drew Brees, it was Archie Manning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was... In many ways, you could have compared it to the Lions with Matthew Stafford, which is like they were really they were never very good. And Archie Manning was there a long time and was a, kind of a cult hero. Um, but oh my God, it's it's Drew Brees. It, you know, like I I think I, I think most you know Archie Manning would probably say it's Drew Brees. He'd have to. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he's you know he's one of the best quarterbacks in league history. They won a Super Bowl which is something that was, you know, unthinkable for Saints fans. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could make a very strong case that Archie Manning is number two, mm-hmm. but there's not really a case to be made that he's number one. I agree. Now, now Unless you're just romantic about it. Yeah. Now, I wonder what will happen with that team, and if because it, it's going to be hard to catch Breeze. I don't care what you say about sure. like, modern era inflated numbers like, yeah, when yeah. you're when you're at the tippy top of the inflated numbers. Oh yeah, agreed. You know. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, and and just the, you know, like probably something that you have to live there to really understand. And I've got some family that like he is a he's a hero there for you know coming there right off you know and and off Katrina and and resurrecting that franchise. I mean, he and Sean Payton they are legends there forever, and I think Breeze even more so. Because he was the player, he was the face. You know, he stayed there. Um, I, you know, it's it's a very different culture there. And yeah, I don't I don't know that I. I mean, you never know. But I don't know that thirty years from now, if we do this, that we're not still saying it's Drew Brees for the Saints. Yeah, I agree. So an interesting one. Next, Carolina. Yeah. I I I, I mean I think it's probably cam newton but, i think so but i think you could make a compelling argument for jake delome i suppose you could um but i think you know cam won the mvp cam won the mvp cam was a just pure better player than jake delome they each got to one super bowl and lost so it's you can't even make the you know like oh well delome got to the super bowl i mean they went 15 and one with cam and got to the super bowl and lost um, yeah, I think it's game. Now, again, not a ton of franchise history. We're not going back too far, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, I Cam was better. I, I, I guess that's my argument. Yeah. It's a simple one, but to me it works. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of have a similar thing where you could have, you could hear votes, others receiving votes for a lot of guys in Atlanta. Um, 
I think it's Matt Ryan, and I think it's I pretty think it's comfortably Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. But you know, you've got Michael Vick. Um, yeah. You know, I guess Barkowski, Steve Barkowski, Chris Chandler yeah. took him to a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. With I mean, the, with the Dirty Bird Falcons. He was, he was. I mean, Atlanta's an interesting one because of, you know, the, the sort of intangible test that I've thrown out there before. I think probably a lot of people would say Mike Vick. Yeah. They think of Mike Vick before Matt Ryan. But I cannot, in good conscience, say that Mike Vick was a better quarterback than Matt Ryan for the Falcons. Yeah. He just wasn't. He was more exciting. Yeah, I, and I think like he was the, more commercialized. Oh, but, for sure. You know. For sure, yeah. And, and if you gave me the best game of their careers, said, you know, you can have them for the single best game of their career, yeah, I'd take Mike Vick. Because when Mike Vick was on, there was zero stopping him. Mm-hmm. The problem is, those games were somewhat few and far between. He had he had essentially two great years in Atlanta, mm-hmm. 02 and 04. Um, they got to the playoffs both years. But that's it. Uh, 01, he, he didn't play much. He was a you know, rookie and didn't, didn't start. 03, he got hurt. 05 and 06 were kind of a struggle. And then he gets, you know, arrested, goes to jail, never goes back to Atlanta. Um, uh, you know, so, and Matt Ryan, God, I mean, I know he's, he's done now, but 14 years, he won an MVP. They got to a Super Bowl, should have won it, didn't, but should have. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's Matt Ryan. I know Vic is more beloved, I think, by Falcons fans. Um, I bet you if you went to a game this year and counted, you'd find more Vic jerseys than Ryan jerseys. But uh, it's Matt Ryan. Has to be. Yeah, I agree. I I think the South, though, leads to some interesting debates. Tampa is another one. Tampa's one of the toughest ones I had on this. And I still don't have a really good answer. So Brad Johnson won the first Super Bowl. Yeah. Vinny Testaverde threw for a bunch of yards. Yeah. Trent Dilfer, I think, has the most wins. Does he? I think so. Yeah, let me go to it here. I'm on I'm on pro football reference. Let's see. Passing. Come on. Passing. Most wins. Yeah, you're right. Trent Dill for 38. But I, am I nuts? I think it's Brady. I kind of do too. And it's more a testament to how mediocre mediocre the quarterbacking has been there it's it's such an interesting franchise because they've had little bits of i mean steve young was a draft pick of theirs he's in the hall of fame benny testaverde was a draft pick of theirs not a hall of famer but top 10 15 in almost every you know category all time um you know dilfer won a super bowl somewhere else brad johnson won a super bowl for them uh, Brady has only been there two years, but won a Super Bowl and has put up great numbers in the two years he's been there. It's, but yet there's nobody that's like, oh, well, they were there for you know, twelve years eight plus years and were really successful. I mean, Doug Williams, we talked about him with the with the Skins. I mean, he was a draft pick of theirs, got to an NFC title game with them mm-hmm. in, the, in the late '70s, but it, like he wasn't overall very good there. It's a really fascinating one because they've had pieces of a lot of different really good careers, but none of those guys have really had their best days with Tampa. Even Brady. I mean, Brady's a New England Patriot. You know, he's been good with them, but he's he's always going to be remembered more as a Patriot. I'm also picking 
Tommy because I guess. In, the, in the story version of this, it's good clickbait to have him as the number one quarterback on yeah. two different teams. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, and and yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I had a hard time thinking of anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, I mean, yeah, Testaverde was productive. Jameis was productive. I mean, Jameis is their franchise leader in yards and touchdowns. In only, what, five years he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but never got to the playoffs. You know, had some had some notable, you know, off-the-field issues as well there. And, uh, you know, I can't, as much as I love Jameis, I can't make an argument for Jameis being the, the guy. Um, just fascinating. I mean, and and unbelievably fascinating that they, and I think this is true, they have never had a quarterback that they drafted stay for a second contract. That's incredible, but I, I it really think is. you're right. That's incredible because because when Jay, you know, when Jameis was coming up as a free agent a couple of years ago, and and the story was, you know, they're probably going to bring him back. They didn't. It was, I remember hearing like, well, he would be the first drafted quarterback of theirs that they re-signed to a second contract. That's incredible. So yeah, and again, considering some of the guys they've drafted. Doug Williams, Steve Young, Vinny Testaverde. Like, it's not like they've drafted terrible quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They just haven't had their best days with them. Um, let's move out west. All right. Let's start with the Rams. The Los Angeles, St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams. That's right. That's right. Um, I thought about this a little bit. I think it's Kurt Warner. I think so, too. Uh, it, this is a tough one, again, for a franchise that has long history. You well, know, the like, problem I mean, is the best guy is probably Van Brocklin. Probably. Probably, yeah. And and he was done before the Super Bowl era, wasn't he? Yeah, his last yeah. year was 57 with the Rams. 57 for them, and then he went to the Eagles. And I think he mm-hmm. still retired. I think he was retired before the Super Bowl era started, so... Yeah, I mean, and Bob Waterfield, if you want to go back even further, was an MVP and a starter for them when they won an NFL title in Cleveland, I believe, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it was early yeah. early yeah. days in L.A. Um, uh, you know, but yeah, for a uh, this is a weird one because it's a franchise that has got, you know, it's been around since the advent of the Super Bowl. And they haven't been horrible. They're not the Lions where it's like, you know, oh, they know, you know, like they've they've had some success. They've gotten to. You know, they were in a Super Bowl in the 70s. They got to, they won one in the 90s. They got to another one a couple years later. They won one this year. But yeah, not a lot of great quarterbacks to choose from all time. Yeah. But I, so I agree. I think it probably is Warner. And it's like Jim Everett, Mark Bolger. Yeah. Matt yeah. Stafford. <laughs> I mean, not yet, but if he were to be there, you know, let's say he finishes out his, his new contract there and they win another title, maybe. I mean, he, you know, I guess he'd have a shot just because the history is not that great there. Yeah, I mean, um, Warner won one and went to two, right? Yeah, won two MVPs, got to two Super Bowls. So I think it probably is. I mean, a, a, a personal favorite of mine is, is Roman Gabriel. For some reason, I've always been fascinated by Roman Gabriel's career. He won an MVP, uh, you know, and, and was pretty darn statistically productive for the era he played. Mm-hmm. But I can't I can't really argue him over Warner. Mm-hmm. And the ironic thing is, Warner basically had three good years there. Yeah. 99, 2000, 2001. Then he was pretty much done. Yeah. Ridden out of town to New York. Yeah. Yeah. 
to given up on to just be a backup by the way like right. he was there right. he, he spent a lot of time in a role to get beat out to get beat out by Eli yes, to get beat out yes, by Matt did. Liner yep that yep. was his job and and both times it, it got a little dicey in Arizona, yeah. so dicey that he just straight up won the job. Certainly did, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he was only in New York for the one year, and he, like, you know, got the job about halfway through the year, and that was it. But, uh, yeah, Arizona is a fascinating run. Um, but, yeah, I would agree. I think it, I think it is Warner for the Rams um, with the caveat that it's it's gettable for mm-hmm. somebody else. Like, you know, the, the point we made about Drew Brees and the Saints and how it's probably not very gettable for somebody else – it's gettable for somebody with the Rams to, to take that and run with it. Yeah. Uh, one that was very gettable and has since been got was Seattle. I think yeah, it has Russell to be Wilson. Russell Wilson. I think so, yeah. 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 I mean, Dave some, Craig? Some, some decent quarterbacks Matt before Hasselbeck. him. Hasselbeck had a nice run. Uh, Dave Craig, Jim Zorn, you know, solid players, but... Yeah, Russell Wilson, 10 years, you know, first Super Bowl in franchise history. They got to another one, should have should have probably won that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, he's got all the franchise marks. He's probably a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think it's a pretty easy choice. Uh, so another hard one, the Arizona-St. Louis-Chicago Cardinals. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, man. Is it Kurt Warner again? Is it Jake Plummer? So I think it's Jim Hart. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm going Jim Hart because of the, for, I mean, in part, the longevity. Almost mm-hmm. 20 years, I believe, he was the starter. Um, he and, was the uh, yeah. Air Coriel quarterback? He was. Okay. He was, yeah. You know, I mean, he's still the franchise leader in yards, touchdowns, you know, all the major categories. They had some success as a team. I mean, they, you know, they weren't great, but they got to the playoffs a couple times in the seventies. So what, you know, and back when it was tougher to make the playoffs too, you didn't have, you know, 14 teams make the playoffs. Um, I, I can't give it to Warner. Warner only had, you know, a year and a half, two years that were good there. Really? I mean, 08, 09, I'll give him that. Uh, they made the playoffs both years and he was really good. I, I just can't do it. And maybe some of that is personal bias. I'm not a big Kurt Warner fan, but like two years is, is you know, unless the, the field is so thin, like it was in Tampa where I can do it for Brady because there's just nobody else I can really argue. When I got a 20 year starter who was pretty good, I'm going to go with him. All right. I accept that. That's yeah. my thought. I'd love to say Jay Plummer, yeah. but I can't, but it's not, I just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that brings us Matt to the final team. The San Francisco 49ers. That's right. Steve Young is very good. But it All has to great. be Joe Montana. I think so. I mean, I mean yeah. Four Super yeah, Bowls, three-time Super Bowl MVP. Exactly. Won a couple of regular season MVPs, I believe. Now, I yeah. think Young did, too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, this is one of those sort of like the Packers where, you know, Young would be the winner. I mean, you take Young's career and put it with – probably 25 other franchises, he's the guy. I mean, Tampa drafted him. That's another guy Tampa drafted. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, a a bunch of the teams we've talked about today, if you had Steve Young's career with the Lions, with the Bears, with the Panthers, you know, the Bucks, where he started, uh, the Falcons, I mean, he's he's clearly the answer. But 
he's not the answer with the 49ers because Joe Montana was there before him. Yeah. Hey, we did it. We did. We did. 32 franchises. 32 yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fun in part because of the just the very big differences between some of these franchises and how you have the Packers or the Niners where it's like, man, you're choosing between, you know, Hall of Famers. And then you have the Buccaneers where it's like, wow, who am I choosing? Yeah. Or the Cardinals. Or some of these are like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Then you got Washington, which is like, man, they've been really good, but uh, there's really nobody who inspires me all that much. Yeah. So. It's interesting. I mean, you have that with the Bears, too, where it's like, well, yeah. you know, they they have a bunch of Hall of Famers, but they all played defense or were named Walter Payton. So. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, you know, to me, I mean, yeah, it's easy to do like a top, you know, top 10 quarterbacks or whatever, and that's fun. But, you know, when you go by franchise, it's it's just a unique little take on it. So it was fun. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, look, we'll be back. Uh, we're going to talk more stuff. We may even get into the USFL. Who's to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.